I think it would be very easy if you were sound asleep for the entire year of 2016 to think that our world is a world free from fear. But the reality is that in 2016, perhaps more than anything, our world, our nation has been marked by fear. We're afraid of people, other people, because of the color of their skin or because of their political persuasion or because they wear a uniform. And those are, those are just large-scale fears. There, there are personal fears as well. Some of you have news from an employer, from a doctor that causes you to be afraid of what next year will hold. And the, the world really is <laughs> inviting us to be afraid. And so this Christmas season, we thought we would take up really the words of the angels to to the shepherds, to Joseph, to Mary, to Zechariah. Basically, everyone the angels talked to, they said the same thing. Do not be afraid. And I want to encourage you that you are here on a quest to meet the one person who can calm your fear and who can give you a reason for hope when a world would give you reasons for fear. The Christmas story is found in Luke chapter 2. And perhaps it's familiar to you, but it's, it goes like this. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his wife, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, fe- they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not! Now, the very first thing the angel had to say was, don't be afraid. Which makes me want to ask, what would they have been afraid of? Well, clearly, I think they were afraid of the angels. Okay, I, I, I don't think that it was an everyday occurrence for the sky to light up and uh, angels to stand there beaming down on them and uh, starting to talk. But I think them like us, had plenty of things that they could be afraid of. I'm sure that they could be afraid for all the same personal reasons you and I might be afraid of. Afraid that uh, a family member was sick. Afraid that uh, there might not be enough work next year. Afraid of the drought. Afraid of the economic situation. I promise you, they had at least as much reason or comfortably more reason than we did 
to be afraid of the political situation in their town. In fact, it's, we don't really notice this as we read through Luke, but within eyesight of the shepherds that very night was Caesar's, or Herod's summer palace called the Herodian. And he built this because he was crazy. And he was afraid people would kill him and he needed two or three different escape places to go. And this was one of them. And it was luxurious and it was magnificent. And he was crazier than any, um, shall we say, president-elect you will ever see. He had ten wives with whom he had 15 children. Which, I don't know what you think of that, presents problems of its own, until you think that some of those children may want your job. So he killed two of his children, had them strangled, so that they wouldn't uh, incite a coup and take over. His favorite wife, he had a favorite wife of the ten, um, Two of them had the same name, Miriam. This was the first Miriam. She was his favorite, so uh, he was really jealous and told his, uh, his cabinet members if something happened to him while he was abroad that they, that they should uh, kill her so that no other man would have her. And that... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know really how their relationship was, but after he killed her parents, she got a little cranky. And then, she, then when she was cranky, he ultimately had her killed. Now, I'm just saying, you don't see that. The shepherds could see that from where they were that night. Yeah. Fear not. He told him. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That night, the angels announced good news. It is a very common misconception that Christianity is about good advice. That we're going to tell you how to live and this is the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it and you should be really careful about how you live. And you know what? Christianity is about good news. From the very first announcement, it's been good news. And I want you to consider the good news for just a moment. Because this good news is, as Tim Keller points out in his book, uh, Hidden Christmas, he says, it's good news because it tells us about the kind of God that would initiate Christmas. He said that... Um, the God of relativism, the, the favorite God of modern America where uh, we believe that nobody really is condemned because of their sin and everyone will make it somehow because God will grade on the sliding scale and put His arms around everybody. That God didn't need Christmas. That God would never have sent His Son into the world because He didn't need to. The God of moralism that so many 
religious people act as though they believe, which is essentially, if I am good enough, God will accept me. That somehow this God of moralism will will negotiate our entrance into uh, heaven because we can present a, a good enough life. Do you realize if God was up there demanding you and I to be good enough, He didn't need to initiate Christmas. He didn't need to send a son for that. He could stand up there with His whip and be angry and expect that you would work harder to be better. But you see, that's not the good news is that's not the kind of God that's in heaven. The kind of God that we have is a God who says... There are people who cannot save themselves. There are people who cannot do for themselves what needs to be done, so I will send my son. And in fact, that's just what the angel says. The good news is this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The reality is that this event of Christmas is the defining moment when God said, I will do for people what they cannot do for themselves. I will reach down to rescue them because they cannot reach up to save themselves. And so I'm going to send His Son. I'm just conveniently going to send Him to the city of David. To remind people that all of the political unrest and all the things they're worried about in the political arena is nothing but a footnote in history compared to a God who keeps His promise to David that one day someone would sit on His throne forever. This is a promise that reaches back and forward so that we recognize that the one born in that manger is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And He is a Savior so that you and I, none of us, need to die in our sin. None of us need to stand before God and attempt to present a life that's good enough. In fact, the great news of Christmas is all of us can stand before God and plead not good enough, but we can plead perfection. Because Jesus was born and He lived this perfect life. And He came to the end of His life and He died on a cross. And He rose again. In that perfect life, God says that He will attribute to you and to me if we will repent of our sins and believe. So that those sins that we turn away from and that we confess those sins... God will completely forgive. So the good news of great joy that shall be to all people. I mean, that, that means you and me. That means everybody. Nobody needs to die in their sin. Nobody is so bad that God can't save them on account of His Son. The good news that shall be to all people is unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, the quest that those shepherds then set out on to find Jesus 
is the same quest that you and I have today. That we would go looking for the joy and the peace and the forgiveness offered by God at Christmas that we can't find outside of Him. And so it's my hope and my prayer that this evening your experience of Christmas would be sweet not merely because you share it with family, but it would be sweet because you are clear, crystal clear, on what God has done for us in Christ. And when you are clear on what God has done for us in Christ, then it is good news of great joy. It will be to all people. Let's pray. Oh, great God and Father, we are so thankful that You are not merely an angry God standing up in heaven expecting us to do a little better. God, I thank You that You sent Your Son that we might be forgiven of our sin and that we might be given for free the goodness of Jesus. So that You you would accept us, so that You would be reconciled to us, so that we might have eternal life. God, would You help us to embrace Jesus and would You grant that we might not be afraid. In His name, Amen.